What does Jesus say about hell? Jesus speaks more about hell than any other character in the Bible. Person, um, yeah, character, quite uh, actor. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, uh, patriarch story person. Jesus. Oh no, no, no! Jesus, Jesus is the character that speaks more about hell than anybody else in all of Scripture. He refers to it. By the way, when you go back, uh, in, you know, uh, Matthew, several places, Mark, several places, and we'll look at a few. But uh, he refers it. He refers to it as a literal place, and describes it with graphic terms like raging fires, worms that never die. I mean, but he sees it as a place. This is not your spirit. This isn't cool place to go. This isn't a smoky bar talking about all the bad stuff you did when you were in college. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. Matthew eight twelve. The unsaved will be thrown outside into the darkness where, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. First uh, Thessalonians 1.9 um, the, the first scripture is Matthew 8.12 The next one we're looking at I just took a, a, a snippet I mean, so there's, there's several others but Second Thessalonians 1.9 They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. Luke 16, uh, the misery loves company, but hell, uh, and I just paraphrase that one, Luke, um, I didn't write the whole thing, Luke 16, 22 and 23. Okay? What I want to do is I want you to think about this. Um... One of, the, one of the ways you can see this is in the story of, of the rich man and Lazarus, right? The, the parable. You can see that, that, that you know, the rich man is in hell and he's down there and, he, and he's, his tongue's on fire. I mean, all these things are happening to him. Um, but he says... Um, let me make sure I'm looking at the right place here. Scripture says that those who die without Jesus will be punished with everlasting destruction. What's up, my man? Uh, everlasting destruction. You came in right at the right time. We're talking about hell and what happens. Uh, they'll be punished with everlasting destruction, shut out from the presence of God. Okay. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Because God is the source of everything good, everything good in your life, Nothing good in your life came from anything but God. Okay? Hell is the absence of God. Hell must also be the absence of all that is good. Likewise, community, fellowship, friends, they're all rooted in good. Okay? As much as you want to go back with your cronies in college and talk about the wild days... That's I'm not saying the wild days were good, but that's rooted in good, right? That's that fellowship you enjoy. I heard Rob Lowe. This is just my wife was watching Oprah. I wasn't, but it was I was studying this, and she was in the background. 
Rob Lowe was on yesterday, and he was talking about he was talking about the Brat Pack, you know, whatever the, the, all the guys, and they were all partying in the eighties or whatever. And, and you know, one of the questions was, "Are you still friends with them?" And he was like, "Yeah, we're still friends." But the way he described it, he said, "You know, have you ever had that? Do you ever ha- you have any of those friends where you don't ever see very often because of family and where you live and all your stuff you're doing? But when you come together, you, it's like you never missed a beat. Do you have that? You know." You have that in your family, you know, and, and that that's camaraderie. That that's rooted in what God created us to be. I mean, the reason we have that is because God gave that to us, right? And so when you're in hell, you have the absence of all of that. But the absence of God, hell, there will be no community, no camaraderie, and no friendship. Hell is not a place where demons take delight in punishing people and where people commemorate over their fate. More than likely, each person is in solitary confinement. Such is the rich man in a portrait alone in hell. Hell is a place that that everything, lonely, solitary, misery away from God. Because you will be away from God forever. You will not be able to look at your buddy in the bar drinking a Budweiser saying, Dude, I can't believe God's not here. That's rooted in good. You know, I mean, think about it. Isolation. When was the last time without a TV or an iPhone or an iTouch or an iPad or an iMac did you ever sit in your house and do nothing by yourself? And how long did it last? It's a scary place to be. Eternity. Okay? Without God. Misery. Okay. Uh, the de- well, now the devil is on earth, and the, the, the third of the demons are a third of the angels are on earth messing with us right now. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Ezekiel, and frankly, I did not. I, I I'll have to go back and look at the exact verses, but uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Though? Like, are they actual? Like, what does that? What does that look like? What do the demons look like? I mean, yeah, like, are they actual people? Or are they no. just... Uh, they're, they're angels. They're angels. If you go back into uh, into Hebrews, talks about angels, and, and, and that, he's talking about it from a good standpoint, but it's the same thing. You know, you have guard... Because if a third of the angels are bad, two-thirds are good, and they're here helping us too. Angels are just messengers. That's all an angel is. A messenger from God to us. Demon is a messenger from Satan. Yeah. Who? No, but that's a great question. We can talk about that as well. But uh, no, the answer to your question is no. Um, let, let me let me let me say it this way because because I'm going to say it correctly. Uh, the truth, the 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 way that that, uh, and you can look at scripture because a little girl came to to us and she was praying. We were having a dinner party. She was praying with her mama before bed. And, you know, the pray for your enemies and don't spite them or whatever. She said, Mama, I want to pray for Satan. He's my enemy, right? I love kids, right? This is crazy. It's like just to the point. Really? Should we pray for Satan? By the way, I pray for Bin Laden. Has anyone ever prayed for Bin Laden to come to Christ? Hey, maybe that's why he hadn't come to Christ yet. <laughs> Yeah, but think about it. Think what, think what would happen when if Osama bin Laden became a Christian. 
It ain't impossible, dude. It happens every single day. Right? Pray for it. Right? Because you don't know what's going to happen to Obama. Osama, Obama. Osama bin Laden. Sorry. You don't know what's going to happen, right? But, but, but here, the reason I bring that up is because of this. What happens to Satan in Revelation 21? He gets through. We'll look at this. We're getting a little ahead. In Revelation 21, Satan and the angels come out of hell and get thrown into the lake of fire. So you know the end of Satan from the beginning. You know because Revelation 21, God's Word says he's condemned. And you see that he's condemned at the end. And you see the angels are condemned at the end. Right? No person, it doesn't say, uh, you know, Hitler, doesn't say, you know, whatever bad person you want to put in there was condemned to die. Because he could have come to Christ at any point in his life. It was the angels and Satan at the very end of Revelation 20, 21. You see that they go to hell. Therefore, you know that he will never repent, so you don't pray for his repentance. You pray that he burns in hell. So Satan knows his end. What happens? No, what, what keeps him motivated? <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah, part of it. Part of it's this. Part of it is he doesn't believe it, right? Look, if you go into a church on Sunday, if if, if you, even if you went into Watermark, whatever church you go to, and you asked a uh, hundred people, just because you don't ask a thousand, really, you probably should ask a thousand to get the exact number. <laughs> do you believe in heaven? You know, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you believe he's your son? Yes. Just because you believe it doesn't mean you believe it, right? right. See, Satan, Satan knew that Jesus was going to come back and get crucified. I mean, he, he, knew, he knew Scripture. He knew the Old Testament. The Old Testament tells you Jesus' story, right? So he knows it. He didn't believe it, right? So he knows that he's going to get ripped at the end, but he didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And we'll look a little bit at that, yeah. And something that, that like keeps me going a lot um, is that, like, I read this thing one time that basically says Satan wins whenever he, he takes one soul less, you know, like, from heaven. And so basically, that's, I mean, I would be motivated if um, if it were my job to keep everybody out of heaven, right? Yeah. That's, that's what you want to do. So, I don't know. So really, the, the question is, uh, and what I want to look, what I want to focus on for the next few minutes is, how to be sure that you're going to heaven? Okay, so uh, everyone can turn here because this is it's First Peter three. I'm sorry, First Peter one verses three through seven. Okay, the, the the question is now that we've studied how bad hell is, right, and we've taken a little glimpse of how good heaven is. The question is, how are you sure you're going to heaven? I'm witnessing right now. Just this week, to multiple people, but just two off the top of my head, that if you sat them down in a corner and you asked them over and over and over again, were they Christians? They'd say yes. Were they Christians? They'd say yes. Were they Christians? They'd say yes. Are they Christian? Jesus knows, but there ain't any fruit there, right? So there is a big difference. Jesus never got mad at sinners. He got mad at what? Religion. Look at it, man. It is it is the evil of this planet is religion. It's the worst thing because it convinces you that you're something that you're not. These Pharisees weren't dirtbag Hitlers. They were religious zealots that were convinced they were something that they weren't. You know, I mean, that's what it is. Religion is so hard to overcome 
when, when it comes to telling people about Christ or having that personal relationship, right? That's why the, the gate is wide to get it, you know, into the world and it's very narrow to get into heaven because it's a personal relationship with Christ. But look at what it says in 1 Peter. Man, I want you to think about this. How sure are you, not your neighbor, not, not that you can recite the four spiritual laws, how sure are you, sure are you that you're getting to heaven? 1 Peter 1, three through 7 Praise be to God and God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Okay? The only reason that you can look yourself in the mirror and say that you're going to get into heaven like that little boy, or like Don Piper, or like Paul, is because Jesus died on that cross. And when He was on that cross, and He's hanging there like this, every sin that I have ever committed, and I've, and every sin you've ever committed was put on His shoulders. Okay? And it was the only time in the history of, the, of, the, of, of history that He came apart from God He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? It's the only time he calls him God. All the other time he calls him what? Papa. Right? It's even even more endearing than Father. It's like, oh, Daddy. Right? Papa. Because that's who he is. And and at this time he's God. The reason he says that is they're separated. And everything goes on his shoulders. And he dies. Right? And three days later he's alive. And that's the only reason, First Peter says that, the only reason you can get into heaven. You believe that. You ask for that. You say, I believe you, Jesus. And that is it. Uh, in this, you greatly rejoice. In Christ's sacrifice to us, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have uh, to suffer in all kinds of trials. Uh, these came so that your faith of greater worth than gold... Which will gold, which will perish through refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Okay, Christ died. You accept it. You believe it, and then all of a sudden we're going through this hard life. And I know a lot of some people in here, and I know these hard life struggles, right? And those struggles come because of what? What does it say right here? It comes to to tighten you up. Get you closer to Jesus. So you know, right? You, you get through a trial in your life. If you've ever been through one. I remember studying when I was in my 20s. I'm like, God, dude, it's not that bad. I'm in my 40s. I get it now. I'm like, you know, when, when you go through these struggles and you look back and you see Jesus taking you out of it, you're like, whoa. I mean, it's like breathtaking, you know? It's like the coolest thing you can do. That's why we're doing this, Okay. Christ did it. We did nothing. You believe He did it all. Okay? You live your life, ups and downs. So all of a sudden, you can look it back and say, wow, look what He did. And I love this. People ask me all the time, can you lose your salvation? Romans 8, uh, Romans 8 38 and 39. For Paul, because I say it's not me, for Paul is convinced that neither life nor death nor angels, nor demons, neither present or future or any power, 
neither height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing you do can separate you from Christ when you believe in Jesus Christ. Nothing. Try it. I challenge people. See what happens. I had a guy in prison, and I'm going to show this video. I had a guy in prison that was sitting there in solitary confinement, uh, and I didn't know this, but he's on suicide watch. Sitting there, you look at these bars like this. You can't barely see the dude, you know. And uh, before I even started, I was like, yeah, I want to share you know, some scripture with you, and we're talking. And the first thing he says is, if I kill myself, am I, am I going to hell? Yeah, you know why? Because Catholics say if you kill yourself, you're going to hell. Yeah, that's why. Um, and and uh, that that was a that was a powerful it was a powerful moment. If you, what you tell him? Just so I would you What I said was, let me share with you Christ. Okay, so what I did is I went through scriptures and I, and I and I read to, and I went to Romans 30, 38, 39, and I said, look. If you truly believe in Jesus Christ, He is truly your Savior, and you know Him, you can do nothing and lose that. So bang your head against that wall all you want, buddy. But I can tell you right now, if you truly know Jesus, you won't want to do that. That's basically what I said to him. And he's like, I don't, I don't think he banged his head. At least he waited until I left or something. <laughs> he might have listened. I had a question about, not necessarily about losing your salvation, but maybe we'll talk about this later, about... Actually, what happens when you die and get to heaven and you have the gates and you meet whoever, and you even mentioned it earlier and talked about whether or not they let you in. Are we going to talk about that and what yes. that entails? Yes. That's, I think, my biggest question. Okay. What I want to do is I want to shout uh, really what happens when you die during the church age. Okay? Today. If you die today. If, you died any, if you've died any time before... Before the the second uh, before the second coming, what happens? And uh, are you in the presence of uh, Jesus immediately? What you know? In other words, what are you doing? Um, so the first scripture that I want to look at is Luke twenty three, forty two and forty three. It'll be a uh, familiar verse to you. Uh, then he said, uh, he being the thief on the cross, said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, and I love this, what does Jesus say? I tell you the truth. Whenever Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you underline it, you memorize it, because he's like, listen, that's basically our definition, our translation. Listen, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, the second. You're not going to sleep, there ain't no purgatory. Today you will be with me. Where was Jesus? In paradise. Okay? So, when you die, you are immediately in the presence of Jesus Christ. Just like the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross is a great... uh, It's it's not a story. It's a great story because basically up until your heart stopped beating... You can accept Jesus. And it happens, I think, all the time. Deathbed conversions are real. Deathbed conversions drive Christians who have been Christians since they were ten nuts. But Jesus Christ shows that they're real. 
and you have, if you have a parent, which I do, if you have brothers, which I do, if you have sisters and people that you are just dying for them to understand who Jesus Christ is. You mean you would just, like Paul, you'd almost give up everything if your parents got it, right? You know what happens? Look at, go back to the thief on the cross and never give up on those people. Never. Because there'll be a day when they hit such trouble that they're going to come to you and they say, man, you live different. What happened to you? Okay, never give up because the thief on the cross, the second his heart stopped, he was in the presence of Jesus and he was in paradise. Yes, sir? Question. Um, I think it's the Apostles' Creed, but it says that after he died, he went to hell for three days. So if he said that they're going to be with him in paradise, how does that work? I think that works by saying the Apostles' Creed is not right. But that's just me. Uh, that 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 is a that is a class in and of itself. To be honest with you, uh, the, the answer is it, it is church tradition that he went to hell and saved all the people from hell and then came back. The the, the truth of the matter is the closest you're to get to where Jesus says he was is right here because Jesus died the next second. Right today you're going to be with me in paradise. Well, I mean paradise isn't hell, right? It's heaven. So uh, I think the apostles' creed's wrong. Um, Coming from me, the theologian. Okay. Uh, John, chapter 14, verse 23. Father, my Father will love Him and He will come to Him and make His home with Him. Okay? What happens when you die? My Father, Jesus saying, His Father, God, is going to be with you and God is going to make His home with you. God, the Holy Spirit is here. God the Father is not. God the Father and Jesus are in heaven right now. That's where they are. Okay? When you die, you are in the presence of God, Jesus, the Father, all at the same time, in heaven. What's the reference? What's the, what's the... John 14, 23. So does that mean that when we go to heaven, the Holy Spirit won't be there with us there? Or... No, it does not. The the, 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 the the God does not God does not change. God is always God. The Trinity will never change. Right. What changes is the location of the Holy Spirit and where He is. Right now He's both. Right. Heaven. He's in heaven and on earth. He's on earth. Right. Tribulation comes. Rapture comes. The, the Holy Spirit goes up. Antichrist comes in, and all hell breaks loose literally until Jesus comes back. So, so the answer is God never. God is the only thing. Heaven will change. We'll see. Everything else doesn't change but God. Okay. So, where, so in terms of the Holy Spirit, let's say when I die and I have the Holy Spirit and we live right now through the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So I die, you know, and so the Holy Spirit isn't in me anymore. It's in heaven. Uh, no. What I'm saying is. You'll, you, when you die, you're in the presence of God, yeah. and you're with Jesus, right. and you're with the Holy Spirit. So you're with all three. Right now, you're with one. Right. So you go from being with one to being with all three. Oh, I see. Okay. They're all in the same place. They all hadn't gone anywhere. They're exactly where they are right now. Right. You die one to three. Okay. I'm Does that make sense? Um. The coolest thing about this is the way this works is no man made this up. This is God's dream. How does this work? How do we change from heaven and 
you know, go from earth to this and, you know, Holy Spirit to God the Father and all this stuff. It is God's perfect plan. And the good news is God did it so we can't screw it up. There's nothing we can do to screw this up. Jesus did it. Okay? Luke 16, uh, Jesus depicts Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, now, this is interesting. He depicts Lazarus to be conscious of hell, right? Uh, uh, excuse me, the, the rich man, because Lazarus is in hell, right? You know, you're talking about when Lazarus, uh, Lazarus excuse me, the rich man is in hell, Lazarus is in heaven, okay? What, what, is Lazar, what, is, what does the rich man say to, say to uh, Lazarus? Just, just give me something. But but there's this there's this understanding that that you know they can still you know, he Jesus depicts it that you, that, that there's um, uh, depicts Lazarus and the rich man to be conscious of heaven and hell immediately after they die. Okay, what that means is when you, and the reason I bring that up in uh, First uh, Philippians one twenty three Paul says that. Uh, uh, to die, well, I think we just did that. What you mean? To be absent of the body and present with the Lord. That just does not mean. Um, uh, th- I'm sorry. This is in Luke sixteen twenty two through thirty one. Is is this story? Okay. It, it's a it, it is a theological uh, term. You know, called continuity. In other words, you don't die, and then you don't go to heaven and forget everything that you're about. Okay. You still see your family, the world. You're still cog- you're still co- conscious of what's going on on earth. Okay, someone asked that earlier. I don't know who it was. When you're in heaven today, you die on the way home. I don't wish that on anybody, but I wish it on everybody. When you die and you're in heaven, you are still cognizant of what's going on in the world. Okay? A great example is... Uh, or, or a great... Uh, person to look at that is Jesus, right? Who prays to Jesus every or all the time? I won't say every day. Who prays to Jesus a lot, right? When you pray to Jesus, who's listening to you? Jesus. Where is Jesus? Heaven. What is He seeing? You, us, right? Does that diminish His life in heaven? Absolutely not, right? So, I mean, this is not something you're going to grasp when we talk about it for four or five minutes. Jesus is in heaven. Jesus sees what's going on in this world. And, and, and by the way, it makes him upset. It makes him sad. He wants to reach out. He wants to change the world. He's motivated to make everybody believe. All that stuff is true. He's in heaven. Okay, So you are going to be in heaven and, and still remembering stories and thoughts and seeing things in, you know, like in, in this life. You can take the book, uh, that little boy's book. The little boy was in heaven because he was dead on the operating table. And his dad was like, I don't really believe you, three-year-old. You know, you're not really telling the truth. And what did the little three-year-old boy say? He said, Dad, you were over there in that room with that cross crying and Mom was on a cell phone talking to a friend. His dad like stopped his car and said, what? You know, you're dead on a table and you're watching me? Yeah, Jesus and I were sitting there watching you. Isn't that what it says? Crazy, oh, so awesome, isn't that crazy? So, do people, for instance, I died in my way. Can I come back and be your guardian angel? No, you are not an angel. Well, be around like that little boy was. He was there. I mean, you could see his parents. 
Scripturally, it does not know. The only, the only uh, earth to influence, earth to influence, even if you look at Lazarus, I mean, you know, Lazarus didn't do anything. He didn't go from heaven to hell to influence hell to get back up there. Right. In fact, what, what really what happened was the rich dude was like, Lazarus, just please let me tell my brother. Right. And then what does he say? You didn't even listen to the prophets. You know, you're not going to listen to them. You're not going to listen to me. So, so it's meaningless to think that, you know, Patricia, because you're in heaven, that you can go influence your, do- your sister, your daughter, your cousin, your daughter, whatever. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to listen to one person. It's the Holy Spirit. It's going to change them about Jesus. That's it. Right. So you're going to know, hey, when you're in heaven, you're going to see this stuff. And you're going to say, please, Holy Spirit, talk to them. So you'll be conversing, uh, you know, uh, loving on, asking the Holy Spirit to help, you know, all these different people. And when you see one, because you know we are all dirtbags, when you see one saved, what happens? The angels party, the people party. We go crazy because we know how improbable it is that we come to Christ. Right? So, so you're saying that when I die, I be able to see from heaven, when I die and go to heaven, I'm able to see what's going on on earth? Correct. Now, okay, so I'm living my life now, my family, etc., in heaven. Can they see Yes. Me? Really? So they're able to see everything. Is it, is it almost like they're omnipresent? That, that kind of bothers No. They're not omnipresent. Yeah, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that, 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 they, that they sit there and see, they just sit there and watch you all the time. Right. I mean, they they don't. They're not. We're, they're not up there like a. We're not. We're not in an arena, you know, getting watched by people in heaven, and we're not being. We're, but but they they are they are aware of what's going on, on the earth. They're aware, but doesn't even look at my family. Not looking at me. Right. So they get a newspaper and not. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not what's hard for, for me to imagine, although it, it would, I mean, it would make sense, is that they're aware, but they're so focused on God. That, that, I mean, I mean, if I were looking at the world, I would imagine a lot of pain. Like, it would be hard to watch my family not know Jesus. But they don't feel pain in heaven. I just know pain exists. That's what's hard for me to understand and grapple with. And like, how are they aware but not hurting? Or, yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, the, the only... Like I said, I, I test it, look at it, but the, 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 the really the best and only example... I can't say only. The only example I can think of biblically would be Jesus. He's in heaven. Now we're not God, so he can he can have different powers than they got than the people in Jesus, than the people in uh, the present heaven. Uh, and obviously he does. But what I'm saying is Jesus is a man as well as God, right? So so we can take his attributes as man and say okay, we have those attributes, a lot of those attributes in heaven. Okay? So he has the ability to see what's happening, but it doesn't diminish his joy of heaven. I don't get it. That's just what it is. I mean, that, that's one of those... I mean, you just... Nobody believes that, right? One of the other reasons heaven's boring is because you have anywhere from, I'm guessing ages, 21 to older, 200 years of memories, you know? I mean, I, I do have fun memories in my life that I want to remember. You'll remember those. You know, I want to remember the day I came to Christ. I want to remember the people that I saved. I want to remember where God saved me from this and that and all. You're going you're gonna to see your pain and all this stuff just put in front of you. It's called continuity. He, he doesn't wipe your slate clean and say, oh, now that you've lived 85 years in this, in this earth, all of a sudden you're wiped clean. That's not what happens. 
You're, you're given a perfect body in a perfect place in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God, all together. It's perfect. It's the greatest thing you've ever seen, felt, touched, smelled. Everything is there, right? But you still have yourself. You still, you still have these memories of what's going on, of, of the birth of your kid, the whatever, the, the, you know, whatever, the death of your mom. And you're so sad and you're mourning. And then your mom takes you to meet Jesus. I mean, dude, if that doesn't make you cry, nothing will. It's awesome. You're like, dude, I remember the day you died. You know, I remember the misery, the sadness, the, all this stuff. And look what Jesus gave me, the joy of seeing you. You know? I mean, you're going to remember that. So it's the same thing. It's not like, like so does that make sense? Yeah, that makes okay. sense. That makes better sense. I was just going to say, oh, did somebody else? It doesn't matter. You go first. Um, one of the things that um, Cliff and I were talking about is, you know those moments when either you hear a sermon or you read in Scripture and something just clicks and you just get it and you just feel like the Lord is speaking to you and you just get just like that yep. tiny little bit of wisdom that you just grab onto and just makes you so excited. I think um, one of the greatest gifts um, I think that we might receive in, in heaven is that understanding, the amplifier. And so not having those questions, but just having that assurance and that, that feeling of complete understanding right. of everything. And I think that's like, to me, those are the moments that are so priceless. That little tiny bit of wisdom that he gives you is like the greatest gift you could ever receive on earth. Right. You know? I think that one of the coolest, who here, I mean, obviously we're all sitting here on Saturday not reading the newspaper. We're trying to learn something because we like to learn None of us are paying to do this or we're not doing a, you know. I mean, the joy of learning is fun. I mean, you're going to be able, you know, Darren's a doctor. He's a good doctor, so you should go see him. But he is a, he is a doctor and he knows things about the body that I don't know. I would love to know that stuff, you know. But I mean, believe me, I don't, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know it. I mean, you have eternity to learn about how a flower works, right? About how God, you know, instead of saying... Uh, Todd, what does that mean? Or Hill, I don't understand heaven. You sit down and say, Jesus, what is that? And he looks at you with his eyes. If you've ever had a preacher look at you and you say, dude, you just looked right through me. Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to be like, you're just going to, I mean, just this embrace of love. You've never felt it because Jesus did it and doing it. You know, you felt it through him and he's just going to say, yeah, here's the answer. Let's study that together. It's eternity, man. It's a long time. Right? Flower, whatever you enjoy. Flowers. The, who wants to touch the bottom of the ocean? I mean, wow, how deep is that? I want to go see the Titanic, you know? Might still be there, who knows? So, I mean, all of those things, ma'am. Sorry, I wanted to ask. So, if the people who died now, right now, okay, so if I'm a believer, Yes, we're getting there right now. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Hold on to your shoes. Listen, the truth of the matter is, when you die, you are either in the presence of Jesus Christ in heaven or you are not in the presence of Jesus Christ and you are in hell. One of the two things happens. Okay, There is no such thing as purgatory. Purgatory was made up by the Catholic Church to raise money to build the Catholic stuff we see in Europe. That's what it was about. History shows it. History proves it. No such thing as purgatory. There is no such thing as deep sleep. Okay? 
When you die, you are in the presence of Jesus Christ or you are taken out of the presence of Jesus Christ. One or two. Jesus Christ, not St. Paul, not St. Peter, not St. Benedict, not St. this, not St. that. Jesus. So if okay. you didn't like, if you didn't believe in Jesus or heaven, and you just go straight to hell, are you aware then that there really was a Jesus? And you know what I'm saying? Yes. Hold on. Hold on. Like, oh, here we go. This gets cool. This gets cool. Okay. The what? Okay. We'll, we we that is a whole other class, but we will get there. <laughs> okay, guys, look. There, there there are what I'm breaking down is four different. Judgments. Jesus, God has four different judgments. It could be three, depending on how you want to count them. I count them as four. The first one is, this is like 1A and 1, 1B, so it's the same. But everyone, everyone that's ever been born from Adam and Eve until the second coming goes through a judgment called the judgment of faith. This determines if you are in the present heaven or the present hell. Everyone goes through this judgment. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. You cannot screw it up. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. If you didn't watch the cross and you didn't see the beating that Jesus took, that's the reason you get into heaven. That is it. You believe it or you don't. Heaven, hell. Okay? Then, so that, that, that's one, one A, one two. When you're a Christian and you, and, and you died as a believer in Jesus uh, and, and, you, and you're in heaven, okay? You then have what we call the Bema Seat Judgment. Bema, B-E-E-M-A, Seat Judgment. This Bema Seat Judgment will only be for people that believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? The uh, biblical reference is 1 Corinthians... There's two or three, but we're going to look at one. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15. And I'll read it to you. By the grace God gave me, I laid a foundation as, a perf- as an expert builder, and someone else built on it. Okay, Paul's talking... Excuse me. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one laid any foundation other than the one that was already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation of the church is Jesus. If any man builds on that foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, ash, or straw, his works will be revealed with fire. And that fire will test the quality of each man's acts or each man's works. If what he built survives, he will receive reward. If it burns up, look at what it says. What does it say? He will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only the one that escapes through the flames. Okay? This is the Bema Seat Judgment. Bema Seat Judgment works like this. You are a Christian. You became a Christian when I was 25 years old. Okay, I'm now 40-something. No, I'm just kidding. 41. I don't care. Hold on. <laughs> so, basically, Bema Seat starts the day you believe to the day you die. What did you do for the Gospel? What did you do for Jesus Christ? It is your works as a Christian. 
This is very important. Most people don't know this. Okay? When you die, faith gets you in. Okay? Bema seat judgment gets you what, excuse me, what Revelation will call rewards, what you hear about throwing crowns back, uh, jewels, responsibilities. Who here? I mean, if you like what you do, you want them to give you more stuff to do, right? And so you're going to get more stuff to do. So he's saying here, I trust you now as a believer. What did you do for me on this earth? What did you do for me on this earth? Okay? Now, here's where it gets tricky. This is not... I'm going to sit there because we are people and we, we, I mean, we could be religious like the rest of them. Hey, dude, I went to church every Sunday, right? I fed the homeless. I witnessed. I'm rocking. Okay. He's not, he's not, Billy Graham, he's going to be way up here, right? You got to, I mean, me, I'm way down here, right? That's not what it is. This is a judgment on motivation, on what gets you going as a Christian. Okay. Why are you here? Do you go to Watermark to find a wife? A lot of people do. Do you go to church because you live in Dallas? Man, you don't want your neighbors to make fun of you on Sunday. Did, did your boyfriend or girlfriend drag you here and you're like, whatever, dude, I don't care what he's talking about. I've been there. I, I, I know these things. I've lived them my whole life. Right? What motivates you as a Christian? Okay? Uh, you know, if, if you love to... To, to, to teach, like, like I love to teach, right? Does it motivate you to get up in front of tons of people? It's because it makes you feel good because people think you're smart. That's going to be, that's going to be, you know, the hay and the, it's going to burn away, right? Are you motivated by sharing Christ's love with people and Christ, 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 right? That's going to be the gold. It's going to come out pure. Does that make sense? So he's not looking at what you do with the, you know, you know, and then Bill Gates give away all his money and you know get to heaven easy, right? He's looking at the motivation behind what you do, what gets you there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's called the bema seat judgment. And what happens? Yes. Bema seat. What? What bema seat? I've never heard bema seat. Bema seat. The bema seat is actually a Roman term, term that Paul Paul would use, and Paul was talking about here. Bema seat is where you know they used to have uh, won the Olympics, but they would have competitions. Okay, and when you won, you would get first prize, second prize, third prize. We get what gold, silver, and bronze, right? So when when they stand up on that podium, like what we call the podium, they would stand up on what they call the Romans called the bema seat, and it would be a, it would be a a, ju- a seat of judgment, being a good judgment, right? Hey, you won the race. Here's your here's your crown. So so the bema seat is a, is a Roman. Uh, term, but, but it's the first century. I mean, so they would have known. That's not a theological term. It's just that's what the bema seat was. Um, so if you die, if you do a deathbed confession, you'll be judged for the moment, you, that one second that you died. Well, I, I still think you're judged for. I mean, I, I say I, be, I say they started from the day you became a Christian. I think it started. I mean, you, you can take. Uh, God is omniscient and omnipresent, so He knew when you were before you were born, before you were created, you were to be a Christian. So you could really be judged. Let's say, how old were you when you became a believer? Um, which, which time? The, the last time. <laughs> um, uh, twenty-six. Twenty-six. So you can say from zero to twenty-six, you can you're still be judged for what you did. But like if you were like me, you pretty much did nothing, so it's going to get burned up, right? So. So the, the deathbed conversion, 
See, to me, the Bema seat makes sense because, look, it goes back to it goes back to the prodigal son, right? The, dude, the prodigal son's like, I've worked, you know, I didn't do anything, and he came back and he got grace, right? And the guy that was there, his older son's like, I busted my my back every day for you, you know. So there's that Christian that said, man, I live for you every day, and here's this guy that's a dirtbag that died in prison and came to Christ, right? That doesn't make sense, right? The answer, beam of seat judgment, right? Because you live for Christ, you do it right, the rewards are going to be whatever. You're a dirtbag prisoner that gets convicted and murdered on a cross, your rewards are going to be whatever. You're still going to be in heaven, right? You're going to have less responsibility, less of a job, less crowns than the guy that lived for Christ his whole life. That's the beam of seat judgment. But isn't it also like... That's kind of a selfish attitude because the prodigal brother... I mean, like, shouldn't we be rejoicing that everybody's in heaven? I don't know. I feel like I had that attitude a lot, and now I feel like that attitude is kind of, like, all about me. Like, But I did. I did. I did. You know what I mean? Versus, wow, Jesus saved me, too. I'm a dark guy, too. Right. I think, I think the answer is yes. I think when you start... It's hard when you look at it on an individual level because... I mean, look, if it's all it takes is good hard work to get good beam of seat rewards, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard, right? So, I mean, all of a sudden it turns real selfish. That stuff burns up, right? I mean, that's part of the hay and the, and the, and the stuff that burns. The motive is pure. Uh, I think that just about everything you do, every preacher, every Billy Grant, I don't care who you are, some of it is going to be based in Christ alone, and that's going to be reward. Some of it's going to be based on your own selfish desire to get what you wanted to get. And that's going to burn up. Okay, What comes out of that is your reward. Does that make sense? That's Bema Seat Judgment. Yes, ma'am. I'm just wondering, um, when we all get to heaven, how do we Because we have those feelings on earth. We have those. The, the answer is no. No. So we're going to be happy when we get to heaven. Yeah, I got two crowns. I kind of. I made it. I made it. I made it. I made it. You will praise God that you have it. Yeah, you will we, celebrate it. We would celebrate it more. We right. By the way, by the way, the, the bema seat judgment. When you, if you go, if you go Google bema seat judgment and get, you know, get to what the Roman, what it was. It, I mean, it is a judgment of reward. You know, so people cheer. You cheer Michael Phelps when he gets the gold. You're not jealous that Michael Phelps got the gold. You see what I mean? I don't know. It's probably a bad analogy, but it's, 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 yeah. You cheer it. Based on what you were saying earlier, though, in terms of us remembering um, what we've done throughout our entire lives, you know, if I were to die right now, and, and I mean, I've, I've witnessed the feeling, you know, so you know a lot of my history, but if I were to die right now, and I got to heaven, and I had one crown. You know what? I'm not jealous of anyone. <laughs> yeah. At least I'm in heaven. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, right, 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 right. And, and I, I'm sure a lot of people would kind of yeah. relate to that. And right. Say, you know what? At least you're in heaven and not in hell. Yeah. You know, and, and, and continuity, you will not be, you will not be uh, upset and sad and 
commemorate your sins that you committed in heaven. I mean, on this earth. Excuse That's me. What I you I will not. What, because, because look, Romans 7 says it. Mass, you know, Paul, of course, says it the best. Paul says uh, that, you know, I, I read this to people all the time. It basically says, hey, I want to do what's right, but I end up doing what's wrong all the time. The reason he does that is because of the sin that lives in him. Okay? If you read that, Paul says, that's not me. That's the sin that lives in me. That's not me. I want to do good and I do bad. Oh, he struggles with it, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole Romans 7. And so what you're saying, and, and the truth is, and I want to get this because continuity is important. What you see in heaven is the real you, even on this earth. So all the crud that you did and all the sin and all the depravity is dead and gone and you don't ever think about it. What you get is the joy of your life, of what you brought, right? Because that sin is not you. That sin is just sin. Read Romans 7. Okay, it's, it's separate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because see, there, there's a minister of my church that's very legalistic. He says that when, you know, when I go to heaven, that Jesus would reveal my, my sins to me. All my it's not true. But that's not true. Is it? The day you go to heaven is my favorite thing in the world, and and uh, well, we got to hurry through this. Know, because that, because what what'll happen is, you know, the whole question of what are you going to, you know, if Jesus says, "How why should I let you in?" What are you going to say? Here's the truth. Jesus is going to look at you. He's going to say, "Why should I let you into heaven?" And, and don't say anything, because you know who answers? Jesus. And he comes and he puts his arm around you and said, "Man, I got you." You did nothing. I did it all. Right? And at that moment, all of your sins gone. Everything bad. Every deformity, problem, issue, complaint. His arms are around you. So nothing else. Where's the scripture that says... Yeah, like where is that? I got too excited. I got to think about that one. Let me think about that. But uh, you mean about him embracing you or the sin goes away? I do, but it may be more spread out. Let me think. Uh, Okay, hey guys, let me get through this uh, just so I can almost get through the whole whole deal. Um, So... Uh, that's the beam of seat judgment. We do me a favor, and they want you to fill it out. You know, that's just Thank an evaluation. You so Thank you. That's okay. Uh, so, you have judgment of belief, of faith. Mm-hmm. Everyone goes through that. You either go to heaven or hell. Christians go through beam of seat judgment. Okay, beam of seat judgment. Then you then you have all your rewards, crowns, responsibilities. There's there's going to be cities and villages and governments and all this structure is going to be in heaven. I mean, and so we don't know what it looks like. You know, I mean, you do know what it looks like, but it's just this wild picture. And so, you know, the responsibilities come. The, the, the final and the fourth judgment is a judgment that we want to be no part of whatsoever. It's called the final judgment of works. What was the third one? Uh, Bema seat. Well, well, because I, I kind of, the way that I see it is, is, is the, the, the judgment of faith. I kind of count as, as two separate ones. Right. So a Christian has a judgment of faith, be my seat. A person going to hell has a judgment faith, uh, faith or judgment of works. So so really there's like three, you know. Okay. I kinda of say four, but I kind of I kind of break that judgment of faith up into two. Just my mind. Okay. Be my seat. So now you have judgment of faith, and this is in Revelation twenty. This is the end times. Then I saw a great white throne, and in him, uh, who in him who was seated on it, the earth 
and sky fled from His presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Dude, this should bring you chills. The books were open. Another book which was open is the book of life. The dead were all judged according to what they had done and recorded in the book of works. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name is not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's hardcore. So, let me break this down for you. When you die, today, you go to the present heaven. Okay? Present heaven, God's there, Jesus is there, it's perfect, it's great, it's heaven, it's physical, everything we're talking about so far. Okay? There is an eternal heaven which we'll look at in a second. Okay? It's called the new earth and the new Jerusalem. And it's after the millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ comes down and He reigns forever. Or excuse me, it's after the tribulation during the millennial period. It's all brand new. You have the new Jerusalem down. And, and the eternal heaven that you study is on, is on earth. It's earth. It's here. It's everything that, that the earth was created. It's like Eden that we'll look at in a second. It's perfect. Okay? When you die, if you go to hell... Jesus calls it Hades. He calls it Goyim. He calls it all these words. There's a place right outside of the temple. When Jesus was alive, the temple, if you know what they did every day, all day, they literally butchered animals and, and, and uh, 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 torched them. You know, they sacrificed all these animals to clean their blood. I mean, that, that's what the Jewish religion was. Go read, you know, go read Exodus or something. So, literally, what, I mean, think about what that smelled like, first of all, right? Kind of stinky. Think about all the junk and blood and Guts and blood and carcass and bone, all the stuff that goes along with burning bodies 24 7. Where does it go? Literally, it goes right outside of the temple. It's called Goyim. And it's just this nasty pit of just crud. That's what it is. So when Jesus is in there and he's talking about hell, he points to it and says, That's what it's like. That's Goyim. That's hell. Okay? He's pointing to that that pit of just carcasses that came out of the temple, right? You're like, they burn them out there? They, no, they burn them in the temple, and then leftovers and you know all the ashes and all the stuff. You know, you don't burn it; doesn't burn and go completely away. And you do it enough, all of a sudden you're building up a bunch of stuff. Thousands of years, hundreds of years, you got a lot of junk over there. So there is a uh, a, a present hell. Okay, what we consider what we call hell. Is not there forever. It's Hades. It's you know, and, and so when he says death and Hades gave up the dead. When you die today, you don't go to heaven because you don't believe in Jesus. You go to hell or Hades. That's what we'd call it. It is a present hell or Hades. It's bad. It's excuse me. It's uh, it's everything we had just talked about. Okay. It's isolation. It's terrible. You have continuity. You didn't get rid of your sin. Follow me. Continuity. The good stuff's gone. Your real stuff's dead because everything good came from Jesus and Jesus isn't there ever. So you're over here with all the 
junk that you don't ever want to see again. Right? That's what you have. So you sit there for the next thousand year, whatever time period, and you're dying for that one more chance. Talk to prisoners. They say, dude, if I got one more chance, I'd beg the judge to, you know. So in their mind, they're, they're scheming, they're weaseling, they're, they're, they're playing, how can I convince God to let me out? How can I convince God to let me out? You know, think about being a kid. You're in trouble. You know you blew it. And you're going to go convince that principal that you didn't do it. Right? If you hadn't been there, ask a friend. I'm pretty sure by looking at y'all, you've all been there. Okay? So, think about it. It's that type. But it's eternity. It's God, right? So, when he gets down to this great white throne, he opens up Hades. He opens up hell, which is where Satan had been for the last thousand years. Throws Satan into the lake of fire. Bad, bad, bad. Right? Satan's condemned. Then each person stands in front of God and God rolls out the books. What'd you do? Now think about what their mindset is, right? If you didn't know God, didn't care about God, and the only thing you wanted to do was weasel your way into getting something, you're going to lie, cheat, steal, condemn. I mean, think about all the stuff you're going to do. So everyone, everybody gets to stand in front of God that doesn't believe in Jesus and say, here's what I did. You know what God's going to say? Here's what else you did. And I mean, the sin is just going to... You ever seen another great movie? It's uh, Bruce Almighty. You know what I mean? When he opens up the drawer, knocks him back, all his sins. That's exactly what's going to happen. God's going to say, yeah, you think you did all those good things? Watch this. And here's a bag for, you know, you're in hell. You're, You're gone. And it's that simple. You're either in the book of life, Jesus wrapped His arms around you, gave you eternal life, or you're not. And when you're not, you get that second shot, second try, and Jesus, God's going to say, you know, you're wrong, you're guilty, it's gone. Yes, sir? Uh, so you said the, uh, those that believe in the Christians will not have the book of life open their, their, their past sins won't be. The, the book of life is where you want to be. We, we are in the book of life. There's two books. There's the book of works, and there's the book of life. So the book of works and all our past sins... Well, you're not in the book of. You're only in one or the other. You're not in both. Well, what I'm saying is, like your your sins that are recorded, they're they're, they're not revealed. Okay. But they're not recorded. Your your sins, because you are a Christian, are not recorded. Oh, not. No. Not Jesus Christ sees one thing when He sees you. What does he? No, right this second he sees one thing. What does he see? Perfection in himself. You are. He does not see your sin. He forgives your sin. Right now, and when you die, and for eternity, forever and ever and ever, eternity starts today. Forever, he doesn't see you. you, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't condemn your sin. He sees it. Excuse me. I'm not saying he doesn't see it. He doesn't condemn it. Okay. He's not. You know, I mean, part of the sin of part part of being condemned is your your you know part of the guilt is your own guilt, mm-hmm. right? Because you right. know you screwed up, right. right? Right. The Holy Spirit's guiding you and helping you get through that, but the Holy Spirit isn't isn't you know it's giving you a conscience, but it's not giving you guilt. Okay. If you've asked for forgiveness, and you've asked God forgiveness once, by the way, God says, "Sure, you have it." Right. So he sees Jesus. That's why when that's why that question of what are you going to say when Jesus sees you? Like nothing, dude. Jesus sees me. 
Right? The answer is, oh, right? The answer is he's going to, he is the judge, he is the jury, he is the prosecutor, and he's everything. So he doesn't, he doesn't expect you to do anything. You don't even have to answer the question. Just follow him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. I love that verse that says um, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. And it's like it's something that I always have to go to whenever I feel like I start to feel that guilt. And then there that follows the other verse that says worldly sorrow brings death, but godly sorrow brings what is it? Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, um, no, pur- pur- purgatory um, purgatory is a, is a fictitious place that you go that is is not heaven or not hell. It's a holding pen. And, the, and basically what it was saying is, well, you might... It, it's, it's a holding pen. And so, frankly, the way you got out of purgatory is your, your uh, family paid enough money to the church to get you out of purgatory and into heaven. It's called... You know, uh, Martin Luther and the 95 Theses, the whole thing that created what we're doing here called Protestantism, hammered on the door of the church in, in Germany. That's what it's about. It's about it's about the money that was paid for that. So yes, ma'am. You, so what you were saying... Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, I was just, sorry. Just in relation to that, I was just going to say, so can anybody get out of present hell? No. So once... Once... You don't believe in God... When you die... When you die, that's where you go. That's right. But isn't it wild that you're going to spend... Uh, thousands of years thinking about how to scheme your way to get in. You still think you can. I mean, are you? Co- I'm cocky enough to think, dude, I can convince somebody about something when I know I'm wrong, right? It's called being a salesman, right? Whatever you want to call that stupid word. The truth of the matter is you're going to think, hey, dude, I got one more chance because I know this great white throne's coming. I got one more chance. I'm going to figure out the best thing to say. So it's one more chance before the second coming. Well, it is not another chance. It's the second judgment. I'm saying the mindset of the non of the unbeliever is going to be maybe I got I got another chance. They're going to be cocky and think they can talk Jesus into letting them into yeah, heaven. When does that like? Can you? A when does that? Like, okay, yes. So somebody dies and they go. That happens at the Jesus end. Has not come back yet. So right. they're spending time thinking, oh, I have another chance. Right. And then after the new earth is created, then God opens up the gates. Basically, what happened? Well, but, yeah. Hell, and then gives them another chance, but really they don't have another chance. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Basically, what happens is the tribulation ends. The tribulation ushers in the thousand-year millennial period. This is Re- this is Revelation twenty and twenty-one. The millennial period is a thousand years that the, the God reigns. Jesus reigns on earth. God is here, and we are living in perfection. Uh, is that now? No. No. The millennial period is after the tribulation. Okay. But some people do say it's actually right now. Yeah, they're wrong. Right now, you're in what they call the church age. Okay, The church age is the time period from when Jesus Christ raised from the dead until, until Jesus Christ raptures His church. The, that's the time period we're in. The rapture is a whole other story, a whole other topic. It's a great topic. So the next thing that happens in prophetic history, or in prophetic, uh, it's not history, in, in the prophecy of, of the Bible is the rapture. The rapture is Jesus Christ coming into the clouds and bringing His church up. Okay? In other words, everyone that believes 
in the church age, you gone, baby. You don't have to live it. You know, praise God. Yeah, praise God. Because then the revela- then the tribulation starts. Seven years of hell on earth. Okay, that's what the book of Revelation is about. At the end of the seven year period, people hate each other and they're so destructive that they were literally at the battle of Armageddon and they're about to blow each other away and basically blow up the whole world. Jesus comes down with who? Us, the church. We all come down and descend. And we have the battle of Armageddon. It's not like anything Hollywood has ever depicted. Jesus says, you're done. They all die. It's a word. It's a spoken word. He doesn't even lift a finger. We don't sweat. We don't do anything. He ends it. It's over. thousand year period starts called the millennial period. During that time, Jesus is on earth. The church, us, we're in our resurrected bodies. We're perfect. There's other people around. We're, we're ruling with Him. And then at the end of the millennial period, you have that time period where He allows Satan to come, Satan and the demons to come out of hell to tempt people one last time. The point is to show after a thousand years of perfection, is man still going to screw up? And the answer is yes. So that thousand years comes. Satan is let out of heaven. Or excuse me, let out of hell. Okay? Comes in, the, in at the end of the millennial period. And, then, and at the end of the thousand years, the new heaven, new earth come down. And right before that starts, Jesus judges Satan. That's the great white throne. That's what we're reading. Right before what I read to you is when he judged Satan. Satan gets thrown into the lake of fire at the end of the millennial period. All the people, all the death, right? All the Hades, all the stuff that people have had, they will come out of Hades, like it says, right? It says, and the dead were judged according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead and they were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. All the dead people in hell are raised to get judged in that great white throne at the end of the millennial period and before eternity, if that answers the question. Yes, sir? So, we only get one chance, right? You're, uh, you know, I've heard or believed or whatever that once the dead are raised that there's another chance for them to... There is not another chance. So there's only one chance while you're alive, on your one life, one trip through life. Right. Well, the reason I say that they think they can have another chance is because they're cocky enough to think they can have one. They know they can't, right? So but but Jesus can't, knows. Yeah, they can't turn That's right. Jesus is going to say, did you believe on the Son of God or did you not believe when you die? You're going to say, I didn't know you. And he's going to say, you're in hell. A thousand years goes by, two thousand, five thousand, whatever the number is. God, if I just had another chance to talk, you've never been around Jesus in a thousand years, right? If I just had one more chance to talk to this guy or this God or whatever, one more chance, what would you say? So you think you can get there? Jesus knows you can't. He knows it's impossible. You go back up there and say, "I promise, I was a good guy." You know, I really tried to help this. I tried it. You know, you talk yourself into it, and he's like, "Let me show you your sin." And he, can, and he shows you every sin you ever committed. But what if that and you're like, oh, and then you're thrown in the fire. You can't. You can't? Like, if you have the right motivation. And there, is no, you, there is no way to believe. Because you have no real Right. All right. Because you have no good question. What about the people on earth who never heard the gospel? And. Question of mine is what about the children 
Okay, let me let me let me ask those two questions, um, and then and then we got to do oh, we got to do one thing. Okay, uh, the the answer the answer is this: uh, Romans one. Always go to Romans if you want the answer. It says this: uh, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who surpa- uh, who suppress the truth of their wickedness. Okay. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His external power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what He has been made, so that no man is with excuse. No person can say, I never heard. Nobody can say I never heard the gospel. Three ways. Nobody. 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 I'm just reading the Bible. Okay. I mean, and I and I say that because it, because it, to drive home the point. Nobody that ever wanted to know God was not introduced to God. God is so powerful. He's so big. He's so real. He's so omnipresent and omniscient that if you even have an inkling to know this Creator, not some warped view of your Creator, not some you know polytheistic, multi-God generation, all this stuff that the man does, but if you really wanted to know Israel's God, God of Yahweh, and you didn't even know what all that stuff meant, but you wanted to know that, you didn't even know what it was, God says... I will bring people with feet and with hands and with voice, and you will find you will find God forever for all people. Three ways: internal, something inside of you, man. You know there's a God. External, just look outside. It's green, flowers. Someone said they wanted a lot of flowers. I, I want tons of flowers too. And then morals, right? All all cultures had marriage. All cultures know that it's bad to cut each other's heads off. Most, yeah. All these things are true. Why are they true? Because God gave them to us. So God gave us the understanding of God. And there's nobody that ever wanted to understand God that wasn't introduced to God. It could have been on the death conversion, man at the cross, right? It could have been XYZ when he was five years old. Doesn't I don't know. What about the babies? Uh, the answer to your question would be in Second uh, Samuel uh, where David had just had uh, his fling with my favorite character, Bathsheba. And uh, they give birth to a baby boy. The baby is what? Sick and dying. And David, King David, is in, in his room, won't come out. And just, I mean, to the point to where his, his uh, guards and people around him are like, man, something's wrong with this guy. Too, I don't even, I mean, he's the king, right? I don't even want to talk to him. He's freaking me out. He might kill himself. Something's wrong with David. Something's wrong with David. The baby dies, right? David gets up. What does he do? He shaves. He walks out. And everyone's looking at him like, man, are you okay? And his answer is what? The baby is gone. I will never be, I mean, he will never be able to come back but I will be able to see him. Because David knew that before the age of accountability, before that age where you can make your own decision, 
God is the God of grace. And God is the God of love. You know, this country has aborted 50 million kids. They obviously couldn't make a decision. Right? God is the God of grace and He's the God of love. And before you can make that decision, and, and, and I think that age varies for everybody. It's what they call age of accountability. That could be any, I mean, some kids get it more than adults. But until you can make that decision, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, those two. that book, too, because the mother and the little boy um, had had a miscarriage at two months. And it was before he was born. Um, he had no idea of it whatsoever. And a little girl comes over and she's like, oh my gosh, you're my brother, you're my brother. And um, she looks just like his older sister, but with different color hair. And he goes back and tells the mom, and she, the mom's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, my sister, you know, we have a sister. Um, and she had told him that he, she had died and all this kind of stuff. The kid had never been told this before. Um, but he said to me that there was a lot of Guys, what I want to do is I want to show a little uh, quick, quick video because we are kind of running out of time. These are the valuations. You can say whatever you want to about me because I don't. I mean, I, I, I want to get better at it. So please don't, uh, you know, don't be nice. Because if you want to be nice, just let me know. And also, really for them, also for the uh, for the group. But I want to show you this video, guys. Listen, what uh, I just lost the remote. Oh. What what you want to get out of this? Heaven's real. Heaven is heaven. There's a new earth and a new Jerusalem, and I'm telling you, go downstairs and buy the book. Heaven is downstairs right now. It's one of my favorite books. But uh, this, picture it real, okay? This is a song, and then you can watch this video while you fill it out, and just look at the beauty of the earth and the beauty of what God's created.